This is Stacy Eldridge. Welcome to Captivated. This world vies for our attention in a thousand different ways. But the most important thing, the preeminent thing, the essential thing, is to give our attention to Jesus. Hi, friends. Thank you for joining me today. You who are the treasure of your God's heart. Oh, may the reality of how loved you are in this moment just permeate your being. The more we can grasp that, the better off we are. The more we love God, the more freedom we know, the more relaxed we are, that the pressure is off. We are held in his gaze and we are loved. So, this episode is a little different. I did a teaching here at the Outpost back in March, and I want to share it with you today. So we're going to listen in together to me teaching on a topic that's really important. It's actually on failure. We all know seasons or days or much longer where we feel like we're failing or perhaps times when things sure don't go the way we thought they would. And where is God in that? Well, let's listen in. I am so excited for what God has for us tonight. Ladies, it's a privilege to gather with you. It really is. Let's pray together, okay? First, let's just breathe. Jesus, Holy Spirit, you are a breath. Yahweh. King of kings, Lord and lords, we consecrate this time to you and to your kingdom and to your purposes. We say yes to you, God. We ask that you would meet with us tonight in the places we are longing to be met and in the places we don't even know we need an encounter with you. Jesus, Holy Spirit, open up our ears as, as one being taught that you would instruct us. I pray in advance that our time of worship would minister to your heart, that this room is a holy sanctuary of the presence of God. We want you to fill it, fill us. We want to see your face. We want to love on you. And we come in all manners of ways, Jesus. We're not all soaring here tonight. But we come to you as we are, and we look to you, and in your eyes we see love and mercy. Meet with us tonight, Jesus. Meet with us. Lord, we release to you all of our cares, our worries, our concerns, the things we left, maybe even argument we had before we got into the car. We release everything to you, Jesus, everyone and everything to you and into your capable hands to love and care for. Come for us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to start tonight by telling a story. About 20 years ago, John and I were invited to speak at a Women of Faith conference, a big event. And um, we were going to speak together. I was familiar with the content. I knew the content, but it was the first time we were going to share the talk. So it was going to be him with a point, me with a point, John, me, you get it, John, me, John, back and forth. 
okay, I can do that. Well, I left it to John to write it, to organize it, which he did on the plane ride to Atlanta. Um, we got there, got to our hotel, had to immediately change our clothes and have a dinner with the publishers and people. And I wanted to be present to them, but honestly, I'm just like, get me those notes. No, I'm going to have dinner. So we get back to the hotel room late. John goes immediately to bed. And I'm up studying because, see, John can roll like a champion in this kind of thing. But I was a novice. I had never shared a talk with him before. And I'd never spoken in an arena. So I'm up. I'm trying to like, and I go, oh, I'm going to bed. Get up in the morning. It's early morning. You have to get up, go there, get ushered there. And you're taken to a green room, which is huge. The green room is backstage where there's drinks and snacks and it's before you go out front. So in this green room are all these famous people like in Christendom. And it would have been great to, to get to say hi and thank you or have some conversations. But I was like, hi, <laughs> where are the notes going back into the corner trying to shove them into my brain? Because there's no podium. You can't bring notes up. It's, a, it's in, the, in the round. So we go out there and it's my turn. And we follow. I see the first two that are before us and here. They are perfect. They were really good. So it, I just felt a little bit like I was walking up to the guillotine. And walk up on, and it goes well. John, me, John, me, John. Gone, gone. No idea. And it wasn't the kind of thing where no one's going to know that I have no idea what I'm about to say. No, I went, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I so choked. I choked bad. I choked in front of 17,000 people. <laughs> when I left the stage, a woman came running up to hug me in solace. And I said, thank you, Patty. I mean, Sandy. <laughs> just, just go. I felt thrown to the wolves, you guys. But the wolves were dressed as lovely grandmothers. And women of all ages. So there I am. I, I actually, prior to that, I hadn't had the capacity to say what it was I needed. I needed time to prepare. But actually, I thought it was supposed to not. I thought I was just supposed to be at the same level of expertise and skill that my husband is, was, and, you know, I wasn't. But also what was true was I was not resting in who God made me to be. I wasn't. I wasn't trusting Holy Spirit to have his way and move through me. There was no ease. I was panicked, panicked. But mercy to me, you guys, I was young and inexperienced. Mercy. What I thought was going to happen after that event was that it was going to be the first of many invitations <laughs> to speak at large events. Okay, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. I felt like I was made for it, actually, because I love speaking to large groups. I love speaking to smaller groups, too. And I just thought, oh, I'm going to be really great at arenas. What I was was ashamed embarrassed, confused, angry, and so disappointed. I tried. 
I failed. And I needed God to catch my heart and help me understand what was going on. Because sometimes what is going on is much deeper and much higher than we realize. The disciples often had other ideas of what they thought was going on, didn't they? I mean, there was many times that they had um, reasonable expectations of what was going to happen, but did not align with what God was up to. We read this from Matthew 26. This is verse 1 and 2. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, As you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Jesus tells the disciples that he is going to Jerusalem to be crucified. They thought he was going to Jerusalem to usher in the kingdom. They thought it was for glory. It was for the cross. Hear that again. They thought it was for glory, and it was for the cross. How many times have I thought that where God was leading me was to a place of soaring and success, and instead it was to a honing, cleansing, a deeper holiness, and a deeper dependence, a deeper intimacy with him. It was to sacrificial love and to laying my life down. Friends, God is always after something more beautiful and eternal than we realize His view does not align with the world's view. His is an upside-down kingdom. The fruit of my failed arena event was an extended ministry time with God and a reframing of what I thought made me worthy of love and also a bit of a wrestling match with God. But honestly, what he revealed was that I was looking to that for validation. And God alone wants to be the source of that. God alone. I wanted union with God. I still do. Absolute union with him, a divine partnership. But what I would have gotten in that season of my life, if it had gone well, and it was the door to all kinds of things, would have been weariness, would have been a testing of my character that I may not have passed. And would have been um, a sacrifice of relationship with my husband and my sons. There would be a price to have been paid, and they would have been the ones to pay it. What it ended up doing, this failing, was to bring me so much more clarity. Clarity and repentance and a true and deep hope and a profound thankfulness in the care and intention of my God. He's involved in all of it. The arena event, it was not for what I thought it was for. Jesus did go to Jerusalem. He didn't go to be crowned king of Israel. He went to be crowned the king of heaven and earth. Jesus went to the cross. He had to. So do we. So have you. Many times, though, perhaps you haven't seen it or named it that yet. The Women of Faith Conference turned out to be a crucifying time for me. It crucified false lovers in my life, and it hurts, and it healed, and it bore good fruit. The cross is where we're honed. It's where we're chiseled. Iron sharpening iron. Sometimes 
pierces, when it lances with its sharp sword. Right here is where I showed a clip from the TV series, This Is Us. This is from their last season, and let me just describe it to you. Beth Pearson is a dancer, and at this stage of her life, she is working in an elite ballet school, heading up a program for scholarships for talent that she scouts out. Well, this particular scene is when there is a show where all of these young ballerinas are exhibiting to future companies how they dance, who they are. And there is one young woman, her name is Stacy, who is very special. She begins her dance and then she turns into pirouettes and she spins and she spins and she spins and the audience begins to clap in awe and then Stacy falls down. The audience is silent and she is still. Beth is watching from the sidelines. She waits a few moments and then she walked out and she sat next to Stacy on the stage. She says she will sit there for as long as it takes. And she tells her, you could never disappoint me. I'm not going anywhere. Try again. It was beautiful. Stacy was made for that. And she thought she'd soar. But she failed. She was ashamed. And then her teacher came. Did you hear her? You could never disappoint me. And I am not going anywhere. Try again. Stacy learned something far more valuable in that moment than the ability to perfectly land a pirouette. We learn profound lessons when things don't go the way we planned or hoped or maybe even are meant to but we learn what matters most. We learn who we are. We learn who we are and we learn the face of God more deeply. Our names are etched into the palm of his nail-scarred hands and his love becomes etched on our hearts and it is worth it. The crucifixion and all of its horror happened and it was followed by Quiet, lonely, breath-holding, confusing Saturday. And then came the resurrected king, the risen Lord, the power of God displayed for all to see. God sometimes leads us to the cross, but friends, we don't camp there. We don't camp there. We are the ones who have tasted disappointment who know the critical value of laying our lives down and know the one who has redeemed it all. Failures mark us, but they don't define us. Death comes to us, but it is not victorious over us. Oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? We are not Friday Christians. We are the people of the third day. We are the sons and daughters of the living God. Our birthright and our destiny are found in our risen Lords. He lives in us. He lives through us. He has won everything 
for us. He lives his life within us. His heart beats in ours. Resurrected blood flows through our veins. His heart is in ours and the Holy of Holies now resides within our circumcised hearts. We're changed. We are being made like him. We get to live life together with Jesus like a divine, powerful dance that that falls like breakers on a seawall and shatters strongholds and the wages of sin. We get to bring the kingdom to bear on a hurting world. We pray in the power of his name as he leads us and people are healed. Strongholds are shattered. Chains come off. Identities are bestowed. Long-term trauma breaks loose and demons head for the heels. We are third-day Christians growing and walking and moving in the power of a resurrected and ascended life. Amen? That is who we are. And the more yielded we are, the more we have laid our life down, the more surrendered we are to him, the more we are awakened to his love, the more we are able to enjoy wherever Holy Spirit leads us. And wherever he leads us is so much better than what we could have planned on for ourselves. He's so good at it. The dancer in the clip got up again and she soared. And she grew and she achieved all that she had hoped and dreamed to achieve. But only after she had learned some valuable lessons. I've done a few more arena events and they've gone well. I have found my voice and I have settled into who I am and what I am made for. But better than landing a talk well. I've come to know my Jesus in my failure, in my disappointment, in my pain, in my embarrassment, even in my sin. And because of that, I know him as my friend, as my rescuer, as my redeemer, as the closest one ever, as the love of my life, as my everything. It's about a posture of the heart, one that I want to possess more deeply. Perhaps there's something that you want to be really good at or you want to accomplish or possess and you are meant to. But dear one, stepping into your calling is never a failure-free, easy task. It just isn't. Falling, failing, that's actually how we learn. That's how we grow. That's how we're honed. That's the process of maturity. Being an overnight success is actually more than the soul can handle. You know, the hundreds of stories of people who had skyrocketing fame that ended in the crash and burn because their soul wasn't ready. The soul needs maturity. It needs to take a journey of growth, of honing, of release, a journey of increasingly knowing for us who Jesus really is and a journey of knowing who we are. And in that, we fall ever more deeply in love with him. Isn't that the best? The more we know him, the more we love him. He's so good. And the process of knowing who he is includes growth, holiness, repentance, rest, 
laying our lives down. The journey of growth is one that takes decades. But in these days we are living in, there is an acceleration in the spirit. And what once took a lifetime is not taking that long now. We don't have time. (laughs) You give Jesus your yes with open hands and he will run with it and run with you. He will. Gals, you have the desires and the dreams you do for a reason. You really do. You have a gifting and a skill and a passion for a reason. And it's not for you to be tormented by it. It's for you to own and grow in and walk in after you lay them down. Because Jesus wants to be more important to us than our calling or our gifting, than our being fabulous at something, than enjoying what we were made for, more important than our dreams coming true. The truth is <laughs> that he is more exquisite than any hill we could climb or any grand adventure we could experience or any source of fulfillment that we might know. He is better. He's better. And he wants what is best for us to let go of the good that we might take hold of the better. The more of us that's yielded to him, the more of us that surrender to him, that belongs to him, the happier, the more at peace, and the more fulfilled we're going to be. Yes, take risks. Yes, step out. Follow Jesus where he leads. Your life has purpose, and you're meant to discover it, to walk in it, to grow in it, and to offer it. And know that if it doesn't go smoothly and marvelously, that does not mean that you are not going exactly where you are meant to go. Sometimes, friends, we judge things by if the doors are opened or closed. Just because a door is closed doesn't mean it's not the door you're meant to walk through. Just as, just because a door is open doesn't always mean you're meant to walk through it. The thing is, stay close to Jesus. Follow his lead. Hold fast. And then in every experience that we enjoy or endure, he is going to use it for our ultimate good. You are needed. You are needed. And he's our prize. Knowing him is worth everything that it costs us, everything we cost us. We are called to lay down our lives and everything that is in us. And we lay ourselves down that we might pick him up. We let go of what is less that we might take up what is more. We follow, we risk, we step out in faith, and we spend it all on him. And after that, in our emptiness, we get to know him in a way that we never could have before. He's our joy and fulfillment and supply and freedom and better than we could imagine. And whether we fly or we fall, he will catch us. So come to him with everything and anything that you're carrying and whatever you're feeling. If you're sad, acknowledge your sadness to him. If you're happy, give him thanks for that. If you're disappointed, pour out your heart. If you are in your own personal crucible, invite Jesus in. He knows what that is like, like nobody else. He's gone before you. He's sitting with you in it. 
He is not disappointed in you. And he is not going anywhere. Would you pray with me? I'm just going to acknowledge who you are, Jesus. Jesus, you are our everything. And everything we need is found in you. You are life. You are love. You are meaning, truth, goodness, and joy. You are holy and righteous. You are wisdom. You are guidance, laughter, and beauty. You are mystery and glory and wonder. You are breath. You are our hope. You are forgiveness and rescue and restoration. You are living water and unquenchable fire. You are everlasting life and endless surprise. Your beauty is incomparable. Your power uncontainable. Your purposes prevail. Your motives are holy. You are trustworthy beyond measure. You fight for us. Died for us. You were raised for us. And you were seated at the right hand of the Father for us. You rescued us and you are restoring us to you and to ourselves every moment of our lives. You are the answer to our heart's questions. You are where we belong, who we belong to, and our restful, rightful place. We are never alone. Thank you. You live the fullness of your life in us and through us. You are the warrior king, the rightful ruler, and the only one worthy of our heart's devotion. We offer you our worship. We lift you high in our song and we give back to you our desires, our plans, and our dreams. We give you the one true thing, the only thing, the longed for thing that is ours to give you. We give you our affection. We give you our love. We give you our undivided hearts. We take our place in your heart as you take your place in ours. We invite you in. Meet with us, Holy Spirit. Minister to our weary, hurting, and disappointed places. Tell us again who we are to you. Reveal your love. Revive our hope. Strengthen our faith and enliven our purpose. We surrender. We are expectant. Help us to be more expectant. We yield, but with bated breath. We relinquish and we take up you. We let go while we hang on to you. We release and we take hold of you. We bow down and we rise up. With open hands, we offer to you our authentic selves because we need you to catch us that we might soar together. Psalm 52, 8 and 9. But I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. For what you have done, I will always praise you in the presence of your faithful people. And I will hope in your name, for your name is good. Amen.